Welcome to Outreach Church. Thanks for checking out this week's message. To hear more, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or visit outreachchurch.net for downloads and service information. Good morning. How are you guys? Good? You know, I was thinking about, we were just being quiet before the Lord there, and that's a good thing to do at times, just every now and then, just get quiet before the Lord. You know, there's, there's, there's value in singing and praying and, and speaking and declaring and reading and all that stuff, but, but sometimes it's good just to be still and be quiet before the Lord. And, um, and, then, and then take note of what arises in your heart and your mind during those times. Like, don't just get quiet for the sake of getting quiet. That's good. But, but also during those times, actually start to take note and think about what rises up in my heart and in my mind in those times. And I find that, that when I'm quiet before the Lord, the thing that seems to rise in me most, most often, the word that finds its way to my, my lips when I begin to speak is thank you. Because as, as I'm quiet before him, I can't help but to think of all that he's done, who he is, and who he's promised to be for me. And suddenly I just find, and it's a good thing you can do at any time. You know, anytime, anywhere you are, no matter what the situation is, especially when it's a situation maybe that, 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 is, that you're, you're tempted to be frustrated or, or you're, you're, you're dealing with a hard time or a stressful thing or any of those things, just get quiet before him. Bring yourself to a place of, of rather than it being what's, because when David said, your praise will always, will, will always be on my lips. If there's praise on our lips, it's hard for grumbling and complaining to be there too. You, you generally can only have one or the other. You can give yourself to grumbling and complaining, or you can give yourself to thankfulness, but you can't give yourself to both. And, and so um, I actually want to talk about that this morning because uh, I was super convicted this past week, um, and, and, and I feel like in, in the process of it, God showed me some really, some really cool stuff. Uh, so let me pray, and we'll get started. God, I just thank you for today. I thank you for every person here. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the spirit of the living God that dwells within us and, and, and rests upon us, God. I ask that, that as I speak today, Father, that it would be from you, that it, your spirit would open our ears to hear and our minds to understand, our hearts to receive your word, God, that it, that it would bear fruit as it goes into the soil of our hearts, God, that, that, that it would produce fruit in our lives, God, tangible fruit that the world that doesn't know you, Father, would taste the fruit of our lives and see that you're good. I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Um, so there's this verse in the Bible. So there's, there's certain things that the Bible says that we take to be suggestions. You know, we, we read certain things and we think of them as, you know, direct commands of the Lord. It's, it's really easy to know what those are, you know, like don't harbor anger in your heart towards your brother or you're guilty of murder. And, and so, so that becomes something Jesus said don't do. So we see that as like a command from him. And, and every time you read a command, there's also a grace available to empower you to walk in that. So he's never called you to something that his grace doesn't empower you to walk in. So if he says don't harbor bitterness and hatred in your heart towards your brother, that means that there's a place in him where I can genuinely live without bitterness and hatred and anger in my heart towards my brother. But, but then there's these places where Paul says put away all malice and wrath and anger. All. Um, it says, do all things without grumbling and complaining. And it doesn't say, 
do good things without grumbling, do fun things without grumbling, do exciting things without grumbling. It, it doesn't say that. It says do all things without grumbling and complaining. And there it is. It's, a, it's an actual literal command in the Bible, which means there's a grace that can come upon my life if I'm actually seeking him. If I'm walking according to the Spirit, if I'm yielding myself to the leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit, there's a place I can live in where I can do all things without grumbling and complaining. And so, um, so I, I, I'm trying to think of how to what order to tell this in. So I was driving down the road the other day, and I was talking to a friend, and I was talking to him about a time when I, when I got really angry um, when I was driving on the road. It was when Aaliyah was first um, in the hospital, and she was um, still in a coma, and I was trying to get to the hospital fast. I think it was the first time I had actually come home to take a shower and get changed, and I just wanted to get back there to the hospital. And, and so I was driving probably faster than I should, which is another thing I shouldn't do. Um, but I was, and, and so I went to change lanes, and apparently the guy that was in that lane already felt like I shouldn't have got in front of him. Um, and, and I say this in all innocence, like I, I didn't like cut the guy off, make him slam his brakes, but, but you know how it is like if you see someone getting over, you could either maintain your speed or maybe even slow down a little bit, or you could speed up and really show them how they've inconvenienced you. And... <laughs> I feel like that's what happened because he went from plenty of room for me to get over to right on my bumper, um, and he was visibly upset. Um, and he was demonstrably upset. Um, and so there was a car in front of us at the light, and um, he was in a truck. And, and so the, the next light... Um, he had got over to this lane, and <clears throat> a motorcycle pulled in next to him, and, and I, they were talking to each other and looking back, and, and my little brother was with me, and he said, oh, man, they're going to they're gonna act stupid now. And then, um, sure enough, so, so we took off, and the motorcycle got in front of me and slowed way down, and so did the truck. And, uh, and, and, I'm just, I, and, and literally, at this point, like, I'm trying to get to the hospital. My little girl's are in a coma, and and I'm just not in the mood. And uh, I'm probably not ever in the mood. <laughs> but I was especially not in the mood that moment. And so uh, I got into, over into this lane. There was a car in front, because there was three lanes on Wade Hampton, you know, and so they were in, doing this to me. So I got over in this lane. As soon as I did the motorcycle, I got in front of me, and he's going like this. And the car that was in the middle lane got into that lane that was wide open. And so I slowed down a little bit, he slowed down a little bit, and then I stepped on it as he was doing one of his little cute swerve maneuvers. And I was driving Patty's pilot, and it, it's pretty fast, and I just slingshotted past him. Well, he went into the either-or turning lane around the car on the left side to try to get back in front of me and keep me from getting by him, but he couldn't. And there was another car, and he had to get back in and slow down. We go up to the light, and, and at the next light, he pulls up, and he's next to me, and, I, and I'm just staring at this guy, thinking like, I'm just, and I think I said to my little brother, like, I'm just so not in the mood right now. And I'm looking at this guy, and I'm staring at him, and I'm just thinking, like, please put your kickstand down. Please do, you know, I, I promise, like, like, it's where my mind was, you know. It was probably just, like, this, this place of, I know, the halo's shrinking. It's okay. <laughs> I'll get it back with my wise words from the Spirit. No, like, I'm not proud of this, um, and, and, like, truly, God convicted me of this, but, 
But I'm looking at this guy, and I'm just, everything is, that's going through my head has nothing to do with the fact that he's only acting that way because he doesn't know better. And that I've responded the same way. And that for the world watching, there's no difference between he and I. And that he might even say there is no God, and I would say Jesus is Lord. I, I didn't think about this in the moment. I, I'm, not, I'm just being honest. That's not what I was thinking in the moment. <laughs> and so uh, we took off again, and, and, uh, and I got to the hospital. And while we were at the hospital, there were times where um, where we would pray for other families and stuff. We talk, I've talked about that. Um, but I was telling this story to a friend this week, and, and I said to him, I said, you know, I guess it was just where I was at and everything that was going on. I just, for some reason, wasn't in the mood and, and just... <laughs> oh, it's okay. <laughs> um... <laughs> It's okay. No worries. Um, but anyways, so as I was relaying this story, I'm telling this story, and I'm not telling it through a place of conviction. I'm telling him about what happened, and, and I was just explaining how, like, you know, because of what the, the, the circumstances I was in, like, my response, and I gave myself permission, like, when I was telling the story of, like, I guess it was just everything that was going on and where I was at in that moment. And then later that night and the next day, the Lord began to speak to me about that and said, don't ever give yourself permission to act less than Christ-like because of things going on around you, or you are saying that what's going on around you is more important than and what's happened and what's been done in you and through, for you by Jesus. And I, it just cut my heart. You, you Be careful when you tell him you want to be like him because he'll take you seriously and he'll show you where you're not so that he can show you where he's called you to be. And, and so I, I started thinking just about my whole attitude driving and I realized like, I have sectioned that area of my life off from the gospel. Because the gospel says, do all things without grumbling and complaining. Yet when I get into the car without even thinking, because I'm the world's best driver, which means all of you aren't. It means every other car on the road isn't. And so everything they do that's not the way I would do it is wrong. Like, you laugh, but that's really what my attitude and my actions reveal. And I, I, the thought of that hit me, and I thought, I'm not following Jesus when I get behind the wheel. Because I'm treating the whole do all things without grumbling and complaining as a suggestion, not as a command. And so I, I, I just started thinking about, like, like that guy on the, on the motorcycle, he needed the love of Jesus just as much as the hurting parents in the PICU. And so I repented and, and I asked the Lord, Lord, I don't want to complain. I don't want to drive like an idiot. I don't want to be grumbling. I, I don't even. And so the next morning, as after this happened, I was driving and I pulled up to a stop sign. 
trying to get Jackson to school on time, so our mornings are a little different now. Um, and I'm sitting there, there's no cars coming this way, there's no cars coming that way, and the car at the stop sign is just sitting there. And, I'm, and I go, are you kidding me? Here's the thing. I, it, it happened without even thinking. And I started really praying about that and asking God, like, God, why, why, does this, why is this so easy for me? And it's, it's really crazy because at the same time, I've been kind of trying to understand what's going on with my little girl's brain. She, she was in an auto accident, for you guys that don't know, and, and her frontal um, lobes were severely impacted and damaged. And so her brain is in the process right now of rewiring itself and, and finding new pathways for thought to travel. It's incredible what the brain will do. Um, and, and so it, it, will, it, it has figured out, her brain has told herself that, that it has been damaged and that there's parts of it that are missing and it needs to find a new way to do what the parts that are missing used to do. And so it's rewiring itself and developing new pathways for thoughts to travel on. And so as I was studying that, I came across this. And I love when science and the Bible line up so closely. And, and I, I read this, and, and, and it was a, a, by a couple of doctors that did um, a lot of study on, on brain pathways, um, synapses and neurons. And I said this. This was the, the outcome of their, of their study. It said, the simple truth of the matter is that most people are not aware that they are recycling yesterday's old news. By the time we are 35 years old, up to 90% of what we think, feel, and do is just recycled from our past. We're creatures of habit, and as such, tend to take the path of least resistance whenever possible. This includes our thoughts and the way our brain waves travel. We develop, belief, we develop beliefs and habits of behavior pertaining to our relationships, money, career, health, driving, dressing, fitness, and our bodies. We then look to confirm and validate these beliefs, beliefs in our everyday experiences. And, and I, so what I realized was is that our brains actually, in, in reading more stuff, our brains actually try to find the quickest way to process information. And so it's, it's almost like a, like a path that you would walk on. Like if you have a shortcut, you just say there's a, a, a sidewalk that does a big curve like this, and you, do, you, you find that you can walk from here to there by cutting across the grass and you cut out all of this time and unnecessary space because all you care about, you're not on the walk for, say, health's sake. You're not on the walk to enjoy the beauty. You're walking this path to try to get from one place to the other as fast as possible. So when you come to this curve, you realize that rather than walking all the way around the curve, the fastest way to get there is actually just to go from here, cut across the grass, get back on the sidewalk and walk. And, and the first time you do it, there's no path there and you actually are resisted maybe. But, but you keep doing that long enough and you actually wear a path down. And, and you, there's a visible trail now, and there's a visible path, and it's very easy for you to... And now you can start doing it without even thinking, because you've done it so often, it becomes just the way that you do things. And, and so other people could come along and, and follow that path, because you've already blazed it and shown them the fastest way to get... And our brains are the same way. They, they want to process information as fast and as efficiently as possible. And so when you start thinking a certain way, the more you think that way, the more your brain becomes wired to actually think that way without you having to think about thinking that way. You ever drove home and realized that you don't remember driving part of the way? Why? B because your brain has, has already wired itself to know exactly what to do because you've done it so many times. And so I started thinking about this and I thought, 
Well, that makes sense because the Bible pointed this out a long time ago. I was reading this stuff, and, I, and, I, and, and it, just, it just, it all started to click. I have for so many years trained myself that everybody are horrible drivers that without even thinking that maybe there was something that I couldn't see. I didn't, my brain didn't even process the fact that there could have been a dog walking across the street in front of them, or that there could have been a little kid that I couldn't see, or that there could have been a car that was coming down the road that had to stop for something farther up where I couldn't see them. Because My brain didn't even compute any of that stuff. It bypassed every bit of thought process and went straight to the thought that I preconditioned myself to think, which is this person's a bad driver and what they're doing is wrong. So we laugh when it's about something as innocent as that, which really isn't that innocent because it's, it's, I'm more, listen, when I am complaining about this person in front of me and the fact that they haven't gone, in that moment, I am far more aware of their bad driving than I am of the blessing on my life because of what Jesus has done and who he is. And that could sound super corny to somebody, but here's the truth. The more I do that, the more I give myself permission, and I can use circumstances sometimes, and I can say, well, I guess it was just because of what I'm going through. No, that doesn't matter. What you're going through has no no right to invalidate what the word of God clearly calls you to ever my circumstances he didn't say do all things without grumbling and complaining unless you're in a super stressful situation and you're concerned for your little girl see that sounds good that's the wisdom of this world that's the way that seems right to a man and and if you told that to a bunch of people they would probably validate where the way I responded and the way I felt in that moment because of what I was going through and all they're proving is that they would live their life based on what was going around them more than what the word of God called them to just like I did and now you have a leper colony of a bunch of people with the same dysfunction validating each other in that dysfunction because my friend could have looked at me, and, and he didn't, and we were just, and, and this, not to blame him, like we were talking about a, a million other things, but he could have looked at me and said, you know, what you were going through gave you no reason to act that way. Would that make him a jerk, or would that make him someone who actually loves me? We, our response would be, and, and, and now if he had said that to me, and I wasn't in a place of humility where I remained teachable, in that moment, I could really lash out and say, well, you don't know what it's like because you, and when's the last time? And I'll t- you tell me that when your little girl is. And all this stuff that we do and we say, and you can fill in the blank and you can make any situation that you're facing, you can fill in the blanks with that. Well, you don't because you and you and this. And, and if you don't, guys, we've got to stop that. And I feel like the Lord was saying, Roy, stop it. Stop letting anything that's happening around you matter and, 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 and have more of an influence on you than who I am and what I'm doing and what I've done for you. Don't take your eyes off of me just because you get behind the wheel. Just because the person in front of you isn't in as big a rush as you are. And, and we're talking about driving, but man, you could fill in the blank with anything. And so uh, that morning when it, was, it just naturally came up out of me, I just was really seeking the Lord and saying, I'm, yesterday I repented and yesterday I committed and yesterday I knew and last night and I prayed and it was beautiful. I felt like the Lord was just fathering me in this, of showing me this stuff. He wasn't beating me down. He was just showing me, listen, you could actually enjoy your drive no matter if people in front of you drive good or not. They don't have to drive well for you to enjoy the ride anymore. You could actually enjoy time with whoever's in the car with you rather than being so aware of what the people around you are doing. You could actually be aware of me, my presence in the car and the people who are around you. And you could be present in that moment. And every time you get behind the wheel could be an opportunity for you to commune with me and commune with other people. It could be a time of fellowship and a time of enjoying my presence together. 
or you could fill it with grumbling and complaining, but you can't have both. And so I was like, oh, Lord. I was really excited about it, you know. I was just like, this is going to be awesome. This is going to be amazing. I am going to be Buddha behind the wheel, you know, just the most peaceful thing you've ever seen. And, and then the next morning, I was everything but. Now, how many of you guys can relate to having something that the Lord shows you and convicts you on, yet the next day, the next week, the next month, whatever the case is, you find yourself doing the very thing. And so scientifically, this study that I was reading would say that's because your brain has already made a pathway where you interpret the information without thinking. And so when you see this, without going through a thought process, you automatically start down the path that your brain has gone down so many times before because it's an, you have taught it and you have made it easy for that to happen. Biblically, Paul would say this. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. See, we're conformed, not physically, although being conformed mentally can lead to being conformed physically and it can lead to physical manifestation, but we're really conformed mentally. It's the way that we think that's conformed by this world. It's this way that we think that God wants to renew, and it's the way that we think that actually needs to be changed so that we can be transformed. Th- think about it this way. It's, it's almost as if our whole lives up to yielding to... And, and, and listen, you could have areas of your life where you are so good at submitting to the leading of the Spirit. You could have areas of your life where, where the thought process that you have developed over time and the way that you live has, and, and it used to be a conscious thing that you ha- used to have to do, but now it's become so much a part of who you are that without even thinking about it, you do what is right in the eyes of the Lord in these situations or in this area of your life. You can have that in so many areas and then have one area that you have dysfunction in. So we can't judge ourselves by ourselves. We have to actually judge ourselves by the standard that's shown to us in the Word. Because if I have 200 areas that are good and one that is bad, and I know people that have 190 areas that are good and 10 that are bad, I am doing 10 times better than they are. But that's not the standard. The Word is. And so... So we've conditioned ourselves to thinking this way, and it's almost as if... Everything that we have known has to be held up to the light of Scripture. Everything, every way that we've lived, every way that we've thought, we need to, when we become born again, we have to hold our thought process up to the, to the scrutiny of the Scripture and see, is this actually something that is from God, or was this something the world taught me? And it's almost that the Holy Spirit comes and he says, and he says listen, I'm going to come and I'm going to break up the fallow ground. The hard, that we have fallow ground, the hard ground there is somewhere that a cow has walked over and over and over again or a foot has trod. It's a pathway that's been walked so many times that it's become hard and it's become easy to walk. He says, I'm going to break up those things. Jesus, when he was talking about himself, he said, or, or John the Baptist, I mean, when he was talking about Jesus, he said, he'll make the crooked paths straight. That word crooked there actually means perverse. When Peter was preaching on the day of Pentecost, and he said, be, come out from this perverse generation and be saved. That word perverse is the same word there that when he said he would make the crooked path straight. That word crooked and perverse are the exact same word. It's the word scolios. 
It means twisted, warped, perverse. So, so a prophecy of Jesus is he'll take the perverse things, the twisted things, the crooked things, and make them straight. And so it's as if the Holy Spirit comes and says, okay, I'm going to break up this ground, and I'm going to show you a new way to think, a new path. And I want you to do this consciously until you wear a path down, and it becomes something that you do subconsciously because it becomes who you are rather than what you're doing. This is the process that we have to think about this, okay? So, So if you grew up in a home where you had a parent who was terrified of thunderstorms, So every time there was a thunderstorm, your parent freaked out. There was fear. There was anxiety. And you as a child, you pick up on this. And so it becomes part of the way that you think. You think thunderstorms are bad. There's something to be afraid of. There's a reason for anxiety. And so the natural response that I have is learned by what I saw my parents do, right? And so every time there was a thunderstorm, they freaked out. They were terrified. And and so uh, that became the way that I thought. And so for, for part of my life, every time there was a thunderstorm, I've given myself over to anxiety and fear and I've given it a place because it's always been that way and then I justify it because it's been well I've just always been that way listen you may have always been the way that you were that's why you had to be born again so that you could actually become who you were always meant to be and so so here's the thing so if I've always done that then my natural response will be that at some point I owe it to myself to ask myself if I'm supposed to live without fear then why is there so much fear when something happens If I'm supposed to live without anxiety, if Jesus said be anxious over nothing, why do I have anxiety the first time I hear a bolt of lightning crack or a thunder clap? And so so it it, it happens this way with a lot of things. Like like, um, I I had a a different thing I was thinking about. I'm so far out ahead of where I'm supposed to be. I I think about this. We we talk a lot of, the church talks a lot about the the orphan spirit. Um, There's... There's really nothing in the Bible called the orphan spirit. Jesus said, I want to leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Um, and Paul said that we've not been given a spirit of slavery unto fear, but a spirit of adoption by which we cry, Abba, Father. Meaning that the spirit of adoption's opposite isn't actually a spirit of orphan. It's a spirit of slavery, which leads us to fear. And so, but, and, and I get why we call it the, the orphan spirit or whatever, but, but sometimes I think we attach a lot more significance to things, and it becomes this mystical thing of, well, we've got to deal with the orphan spirit. And actually, I think what it is is that we have an area of our lives where we've allowed ourselves to think less than the influence of the gospel. And so, so just think about this. If, if, if just say when you were young and you, you grew up, you started to think about that, that I always get overlooked. This happens. There's people that, that say, well, I just have always gotten overlooked. And so what happens, according to science and according to what we see, is you begin to look for places that validate the way that you feel. And so even if you're not being overlooked, or even if the circumstances are completely different, you won't take into consideration that maybe something has changed in the time that it was for me to the time it is for somebody else, or that maybe there's something that I don't know about or I don't understand. All I will see is that somebody got something that I didn't, meaning I've been overlooked, they received because I didn't receive. And then every time we see that, it will validate to us that what we have always thought is real. 
And we'll suddenly develop this thought process that says, I always get overlooked. And then you live your life looking for where you've been overlooked. And here's the thing. We live in an unfair world, and there may be times you actually were overlooked. See, it's bad enough when it's our perception. But then when it actually happens, we feel so validated in that, and it becomes the way that we talk. And so suddenly we develop this thing where it's like, I'm not going to be overlooked. I am going to get what I deserve, and I'm going to get what's coming to me. And we start to live in response to this thing that wasn't even real, that we perceived, or that maybe was real but wasn't right. See, sometimes real things happen to us. It's not that everything that happens is our imagination, but life in, in, in the Spirit is a lot less of what's happened to us and a lot more about the way that we perceive what's happening and the way that we respond to what happens to us. So, so um, I'll, I'll just... Uh, I'm trying to think of how much... Okay. So... So when, uh, when we got the call that Ali had been in an accident, as a parent, obviously, you're concerned because you've just heard that your child has gotten into an accident. But our immediate thought process, because I've, and Patty and I have trained ourselves to trust in, believe, and expect to see the goodness of the Lord, was not to assume the worst, dive into fear, be full of anxiety, and then respond to something. Because we didn't know on our way to the hospital. All we knew was that she had gotten into an accident and she had a cut on her head. And that she was kind of coming in out of consciousness, but that was attributed maybe to an airbag. We just weren't sure what had happened. So, so our, our thought process was, okay, she's going to be fine. The thought of like the, that she doesn't make it through this, it honestly never entered our mind. And I'm not saying that to... To boast, I'm saying that's the power of the gospel to hold you and to guard your thoughts and to guard your minds with the perfect peace of Jesus. And so in that process, we began to expect to see his goodness. And so it wasn't that we were in denial of what was happening to our little girl. What we were in denial of is that what we saw was greater than the promises that we had from him. And so if anything that we saw or heard came and contradicted the promise of God that we knew over her life and of, of who he revealed himself to be, we chose to believe and be affected by and to respond to the promise of God and what he had said and what he was speaking and what he had promised than what we saw or what was being told to us in that moment. And so it wasn't this thing where we were sitting there trying to work it up in the moment. It, it, that's the thing is you don't want to try to figure out where you stand in these instances when you're in these instances. It's the way that you've trained your mind to think over time that keeps you in that place when you find yourself in that position. Because you've built this pathway up that goes straight from hearing something to finding a promise of God the fastest way it possibly can. So the way my brain and Patty's brain works now is when we hear something, our brain automatically begins to think, what's the promise of the Lord that speaks to this situation? What has God spoke about this situation? Instead of trying to dig in and research and find out, okay, well, how, how could this and what does this mean and what about that? And there were times where people thought we were in denial. We weren't in denial of what was happening with our little girl. We were in denial that what people were expecting would be different than what God had spoken. 
And so it, it just, it, and, and listen, it's the way that your mind begins to work when you start to fix your attention on his goodness and on his faithfulness. When your life is full of praise and it's not full of complaining, it's super easy when you get into a situation where it would be easy to complain to find something to praise about. Because instead, well, here's the thing. We have two choices in this situation. We can sit on a chair and say, I can't believe this is happening. Why, God? How could you? And you didn't protect and, and all this stuff. And, and, and man, I hope our little girl doesn't this. And, and try to find a medical reason to have hope to hold on to. Or we could say, God, I hate that this has happened, but I am so thankful that in the face of what we're seeing, you've promised this, God. Listen, and, and, and it wasn't, we weren't trying to work it up. I'm so thankful that God has just poured his spirit out into us and poured his love upon us and put a love for his word inside of us to the point where my thoughts are being shaped by his word in the times where I'm not facing this so that in the times when I am facing this, the pathway that's already there is leads me to the goodness and the pleasure and the promise of God. And listen, here's the deal. Every single day, we're creating paths and reinforcing paths and ways of thought in our mind. And here's what we owe, our, owe to ourselves. I'm just going to close up with this, but this is what we owe it to ourselves to do, is to ask ourselves, is the way that I think influenced by the gospel, by Jesus, by a promise of the Lord, by what I find in his character and in his nature and in his word, or is it shaped by anything else? Because Life is honestly a whole lot less what happens and a whole lot more the way we perceive what happens. So you and I could be driving down the same road. You and I could have the same driver in front of us. And, and, and you could be oblivious to the fact that they've had their blinker on for the past mile, and I could be freaking out in my car thinking, what in the heck? Pull their license not that I say stuff like that driving, but you can, uh, you can imagine. No, but here's the thing. It's the same car driving in front of us. Are two people viewing the exact same thing? See, here's the thing we have to understand. Is that Jesus is our example in all things, and Jesus had everything that could possibly go wrong, go wrong in his life for him, and yet he still maintained a posture of loving people and not holding it against them. I heard someone recently say, well, yeah, but Jesus never had a wife that could cheat on him, so he wouldn't. Are you kidding me? He stood in front of his bride as they chose another man in his face in front of him. And their choosing of the other man meant he had to die. That affair didn't lead to your death. You can still reconcile. You're still here. They chose another man, his bride. Who shall I set free and who shall be killed? Jesus or Barabbas? And his bride stands there and in his face chooses another man in front of him. And yet all that can come out of his mouth is, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And you know, the truth of the matter is, is sometimes things happen that we don't understand. Sometimes they do. Sometimes there's things that happen and we just don't understand them or something doesn't go the way that we thought it would or, or some, our understanding of the word or whatever it is. Here's the thing. If we let that be the thing that shipwrecks us, then we will let something that we don't understand contradict and have more influence on the way that we think than the word of God that's clearly in front of us that we do understand. Yeah. So I, I want to I, I challenge us with this. 
that if there's any way in our thinking that's twisted or crooked, he came to make the crooked straight. He came to make the perverse straight, the warped straight. And I just want to, like, encourage us as a church to invite him into every part of our lives. Like, don't shut the door of your car, buckle up, and say, okay, Jesus, I'll see you when I get where I'm going. No, really. Don't go to work and punch a time card and say, okay, Jesus, I'll meet you back here in eight hours. Don't go home, and before you walk through the door, tell him, when I walk through that door, let me go in and check first how things are. Because if everything's neat and orderly and everyone's happy, I'll let you come in. But if they're not, I want you to stay here because I'm not going to bring you into that situation. See, we would never say these things with our mouths. Because it sounds so ridiculous. It sounds so foolish to say, I'm going to walk to the front door, but Jesus, you stay here and let me go inside and see if it's okay to bring you into this situation or not. Because if I walk in there and everything's good, well, come on in, Jesus, and let's celebrate. Hallelujah. But if I go in there and things aren't good, if things are, if someone's having a hard time, somebody's stressed, somebody's irritable, I want you to stay here because I'm going to respond in a way that matches what they're doing and what they're experiencing, not in the way that I would if you were in there with me, Jesus. See, that sounds so crazy to say. But man, with our lives, we'll do it if we're not careful. Jesus, I'm about to get behind the wheel, and you know there's a lot of idiots on the road. And I'll probably say some things that aren't you like. So would you just, lev- you, you, listen, you did it with Peter. You, you, you translated him. I know that you can walk through walls and you don't have to physically. So why don't you just do that translate thing and you know where I'm going. I don't even have to tell you because you know all things. Translate yourself where I'm going and I'll meet you there. Because I got some stuff to do between now. It sounds so crazy, but I promise you that was the way that my life was declaring with my actions. And I'm serious. I, I, like, it embarrasses me to say it. And it's not like a small thing because how many people were negatively influenced by someone who carries the kingdom of heaven within them because there was an area of my life that wasn't yielded to his lordship? Because there was a path in my head that had been developed over time for a long time. You, you never know. You may, you may grow up hearing things that predetermine. Zach was talking about it with their, their in-laws. Oh, man, how do you get along with your in-laws? You know, if you t- tell your kids that over and over again, and you talk to them about the outlaws, and you talk to them about the problems that are going to come, you know that they'll actually look for problems, and that they'll build a pathway in their head that when it hears in-laws, thinks negative things, and so then they'll live their life looking for negative things, and whatever you're looking for in life, you'll see it, you'll start reading into things, and then all of a sudden, they had a dinner for this person on their birthday, and for my birthday, all we had was cake. But that's because I'm not actually part of the family. I'm one of the in-laws. And you know how in-laws are. And all of a sudden, all these, this pathway that we've already paved becomes so easy to walk down. Come on, there was a time in my life where if I had an urge or desire, the pathway was so clear that it didn't even take thinking about it. The minute I had a desire to do it, I was already 10 steps down the path before I even thought about where I was going. It's like driving and all of a sudden you realize, I don't even remember driving here but I did it. Why? Because you've done it so many times. It's become so natural and so part of who you are. And it's time to take those things and hold them up to the light of the gospel and say, is this because of the way that you taught me, God? 
Or is this wisdom of the world? Is this life experience? Is this the way that people should have or didn't treat me? Am I letting what people did to me affect me more than what you've done for me? God, what is there any year of my life where I'm letting what people did or didn't do affect me more than what you did? Well, that would be a scary thing. I promise you it's real. So God, I, I just ask that, that we would take this this, this word of, of do all things without grumbling and complaining even and, and hold our lives up to that and ask ourselves, is there any area of my life where I grumble and complain and I've, I've actually made it okay? I've justified it. God, is there any pathway of thinking? Is there anything I find myself doing sometimes, God, that like driving, I go, I don't even remember doing this, but here I am. I don't even remember, like I know I had the thought and I know that I'm doing it, but I don't even remember the process in between. God, would you just come and break up that ground? Would you sow seed on it that would take root, God, that that the ground that was hard and, and that was so easily followed would now become a pasture again and we would find a new path that follows you, Jesus, rather than the one that followed us. Father, I ask that you would come. Holy Spirit, would you just come even during the week and just gently nudge us when we find ourselves in a situation where our thinking is being influenced by anything other than the gospel. And just come and gently lead us and correct us and show us the promise in the word, show us the admonishment, the exhortation in the word that shows us a better way to live and a better way to think. Would you just come and rewire and renew our minds? You know, isn't that amazing? Isn't it amazing that, 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 that the way that things are changed is by rewiring the way that we think? And that's what modern science, which is just starting to get a somewhat understanding of the brain, says. And when you read things about the brain, they'll tell you that for the past 20 years, they've had some, a lot more understanding of the way the brain works. That prior to the past 20 years, they really had no understanding of a lot of the things that go on with the brain. And the more they discover, the more they write, the more journal things are published, the more it starts to line up with what we can read in the Word that we're transformed by renewing the way that we think. So God, I just thank you for that. I thank you for the ability that you have to come and change our minds and change the way we think. And God, I pray that, that as you show us new paths, God, that, that at first we have to be conscious and we have to look for that path, God, that, that, that fastest way, but that, that after a while, God, of living that way, that that path becomes so clearly marked that we can, without thinking, begin to walk that path, God, that it would become part of who we are, not just what we do. In Jesus' name, amen.